Would you guys pray with me? God, we just thank you so much for the opportunity to worship you. And Lord, we, we really want to have hearts after you, God. We want to be people that regardless what talents or abilities you've given us, the, it's really the heart of the matter. It's really what's inside. And so, God, we just pray today that as we study for a few minutes on the life of David, that you would help us to have uh, a heart after God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, guys, isn't it fun to have out of the dust here? Amen. <laughs> They're going to be back here in just a little bit. Uh, for just a little while, we're going to open the, the Word of God. We're going to study from Scripture the life of David from the Old Testament. Uh, one scholar said that if you had to name one single Renaissance man in all of human history, somebody with extraordinary capabilities on multiple fronts, it would be David because he'd be at the top of the list. I mean, think about David for a minute. He was a musician. In fact, when King Saul was depressed, he would summon David, and David would play the harp, and his depression would go away. He was such a formidable warrior that he won a legendary battle against a great champion. This would make McGregor Mayweather look like a schoolyard fight compared to David and Goliath. He tried to the greatest soldiers in all the world, men who were willing to fight for him for the death. He was a fierce competitor. He defeated a lion, a bear. He'd take it on, anything to protect his sheep. And then you think about David. He was a great poet. He wrote psalms that expressed the longing of the human heart for a God that loved him so much that now today, thousands of years later, we still read the psalms. It's the greatest devotional book ever written. And David was a statesman. He was a statesman of such wisdom and political skill that Israel achieved its highest level of economic well-being and political stability. Under the life and leadership of David, his reign would forevermore be remembered as the golden age of Israel. David, king, renaissance man. You think about this one guy. You talk about a little big shot who started in such a humble way. But he had the poet, poetry ability of Shakespeare, the competitive heart of Michael Jordan, the musicianship of Pavarotti, the statesmanship of Lincoln, and the physical attractiveness of Tom Cruise, just a little taller. I mean, this dude was a remarkable guy. And yet, in a lot of ways, you think about it, he was also the central character of the Old Testament. Did you know that 66 chapters in Scripture are devoted to David? Did you know that he's mentioned in the Bible over 600 times in the Old Testament and 60 more times in the New Testament? But more than all of that, what we see God championing about David is not his musical ability or his statesmanship or his competitive nature, but the fact that he has a heart after God. 1 Samuel chapter 13, the Lord appointed a man after his own heart. And we hear that story in 1 Samuel where Samuel, where, where Samuel was going to anoint a new king that God had chosen. And he said, go to Jesse's house in Bethlehem. And he has some sons, and I want, I want one of those sons to be king. And so what did Samuel do? He started with the oldest. And he said, Eliab. And Eliab drove up and is like, BMW, this guy is made for success. He's the firstborn. I think his name in Hebrew means who to man, you know, you to man. And the truth is, he goes, that's not the man. And he goes on down. And he goes through seven sons until finally he gets the somebody. And it's, it's like the story of Cinderella. You know, is there anybody else in the house? And he goes, no, there, no nobody else in the house. Oh, oh, okay. I've got one son. He's out watching the sheep. But you do not want him. He is definitely not the man. And they called and summoned David. He came from the sheep pen. Young David. 
little young David, and then all of a sudden God says, yep, he a man, and he's going to lead Israel. And Samuel followed God in obedience. And the Bible says human beings consider outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. In other words, Eliab was destined to be the greatest. At least that's what he thought. But David became the greatest because God looks at something other than outward appearance. And so today, what I want to do for just a few minutes, because I want us to continue to worship together in a little while, is this. I want us to look at the heart of David. And I tell you what this tells me, that in God's kingdom, every life matters. Not just the firstborn, not just the middle child, the, the smallest of them all. God breaks all the boundaries. He says, I want people, men and women, who are after my own heart. And I want to tell you what I love about David's heart. David's heart was characterized by a sense of wild abandon. That he was. Psalm chapter 9, verse 1, David says, I will praise you, O Lord, with all my heart. That occurs again in Psalm 86 and Psalm 111. He had this unguarded passion and heart. He never held it back. He was never calculating or cautious with his heart. He was generous and free. I mean, when the Ark of the Covenant was brought to Jerusalem, and that moment kind of symbolized and expressed the fact that God was with his people, man, David, like, ripped off his outer, outer garment and just started to dance. I mean, it's crazy. 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. You talk about passion. And I wonder, when was the last time you danced before the Lord with all your might? I mean, at what point do we lose that? I mean, just walk from these doors about 100 feet over into children's worship, and you're going to see some kids dancing before the Lord with all their heart. And somehow, when we get in here, we become more sophisticated, right? More... Um, or held back. And I just wonder, when was the last time that you were so passionate about God that you just had this wildly abandoned heart, just jumping up and down, just so excited, and his wife tried to rein him in? She was not happy. She said, how the king has distinguished himself today, sarcastically, she said, disrobing in front of the sight of the slave girl, she said. And David said to her this way, he said, I will celebrate before the Lord, and I will become even more undignified than this. I will be humiliated in my own eyes. And he's just so passionate, David was. His heart was this wild, abandoned heart. I love the story of David. One time, David was commanded to build an altar on a threshing floor made uh, from a man named Aranah, the Jebusite. And this man saw David and his men coming. And the man said, David, I'll just give you your gifts to God. And David said, no way. If I'm going to sacrifice to God, I'm not going to sacrifice something that's going to cost me nothing. And so then he gave extravagantly so he could sacrifice to the Lord. And I love that verse in 2 Samuel 24 to 24. I will not sacrifice to my Lord God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. David said, I will give to the Lord impulsively, sacrificially. And I just want to ask you, when was the last time you gave with wild abandon? David did. One day in the midst of peace, David just broke out in prayer. Here I am living in the house of cedar, but God dwells in the tent, in the tabernacle. God, I'm going to build you a temple. And indeed, God commissioned him and then his son, and uh, he, Solomon, built that temple. One day God's people were being challenged by a great giant. And David goes, what's everybody standing around for? It's time for us to defeat the giant. And we're going to give praise to God for that. And we're not surprised that David then defeated him. And friends, I'm just saying, I want a wild, abandoned heart like David. I don't want to go to my grave with a heart that was cold and calculating and protecting and safe and hard. I, I don't want you to do that either. 
I want to have a heart like that, to be part of a fellowship with heart like that, a fellowship of passionate hearts. And friends, my prayer for you is that some of you will just learn more and more and more to follow God with a passion than you ever, more than you ever have in your life. To be moved with expressions of gratitude or to tears of joy or sadness or conviction like you've never had before. My prayer is that you'll be give, able to give and sacrifice and have this sense of abandon. My, my prayer is that for you, that you will show courage and be passionate about the God that gave you his very best. You see, David had this wild, abandoned heart. There's just something attractive about that. And David also had this deep reflection. It's very rarely seen in one individual the ability to both have this wild abandon and also have this deep reflection, but David did. Just read the book of Psalms. Psalm 139, at the end of it, when David says, Search me, O God, know my heart. And David had this ability to just be deeply reflective. And that's rare. But, but God honored that. In fact, we see David's deep reflection all through the book of Psalms. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He lies with me beside, leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. And there's just something attractive about somebody who is so deep, deep waters. And you know, David spent so much of his life just kind of in isolation. He was watching sheep in the quietness. And David, this leader at heart, must have thought, what am I doing watching sheep? And yet God was preparing him. And just imagine that day where he was anointed to be king. Guess what he did the next day? His dad and brothers were like, get back out there, king, and watch the sheep. And he did. And he just stayed there. And he watched those sheep. And he didn't move right into the palace. It wasn't for several years. And then later, King Saul came after David because he was jealous of him. And so David went from cave to cave and was hiding. And, and I think that he could have in that moment, God, God, what are you doing? Why am I alone in this cave? And yet in those caves, he grew this deep relationship with God. It is in solitude and quietness that God shapes that great heart, that deep heart. And God wants to do that for you too. You guys ever get tired of noise? You ever get tired of the busyness? I think it's responsible for a lot of the reason why in Christianity today, there's, there's not a, a lot of depth. There's some superficiality that happens. Richard Foster wrote that superficiality is the curse of our age. And I, I think that's a primary reason why we struggle in that area. We're so busy, so distracted. I love what hearing Henry Nowen writes. He says, solitude molds self-righteous people into gentle, forgiving people who are solely, so deeply convinced of their own great sinfulness and so fully aware of God's even greater mercy that their life itself becomes a ministry. Well, I know we're involved in ministry. But Henry Nowen says, when you spend time alone with the Lord every day, every moment, your life becomes a ministry. And friends, I can make a case for you that the moment that David lost that depth, the moment that David lost that alone time with the Lord when he was at the pinnacle of his reign. Because now he didn't have that alone time with God as much. He had more people pressing on him. I could make a case that it was in that moment that David then became vulnerable to sin. 
See, we want to have hearts that go so deep with God. So much of the Psalms were written by David, and he writes things like this, that the godly man and the godly woman are like trees planted by the water. And when you have a tree like that, its roots are deep, and they go deep in the nourishment of God's presence. You cannot develop roots fast. And I'm just talking to a group of people that I want to challenge you to not only have a passionate, wild, abandoned heart for God, but to also grow deep with the Lord. And I want to challenge you to just go through the book of Psalms. Go through that greatest devotional book ever. Just start in Psalm chapter 1, because in there you're going to hear prayers of contrition and repentance, and and you're going to hear questions of confusion or even complaining to God, difficult times, but you're also going to see moments of great, just unrelenting passion and love for the Lord. David had this heart. It was just characterized by wild abandon. And also by this deep reflection. I'll tell you the other thing he had. His heart was characterized by just incredible steadfast love. About his people, it says in Psalm 72, 78 verse 72, that, that he shepherded the people with integrity of heart. He had an undivided heart. He was not fickle. He was committed. And he loved the people that he served. And think about David. Think about the people he loved. Here's old Saul that was coming after David for all of those years. David had opportunity to kill him, but he didn't, even though Saul was coming against him. He had too much respect for him. And when Saul died, David wrote, actually, how the mighty have fallen in battle. O daughters of Israel, weep for Saul. Could you pray like that for somebody who was coming against you? And then there's Jonathan. Saul's son, who would have been this man's rival for the throne, you would have expected they would have been at each other's throats, but instead, in David and Jonathan, we see the greatest friendship in all of human history. It says, when they had to be separated, they wept together. Two dudes weeping together over their friendship and the fact they couldn't be together. And many, many years later, here is Saul's grandson, David's son and David said is there anybody else in Saul's household that I can take care of anybody else and someone said well Jonathan had a son and he is lame and so David man comes and finds him and looks at this powerless this this person who really was struggling and David said look don't be afraid I just want to love you I want to give you back all the land that belonged to your grandfather I want you to eat at my table I want you to be like my son friends when David loved you He loved with a stubborn, steadfast love. And friends, when I thought about this verse, I thought about my kids. I thought about my wife. I thought about our church. I thought about you all. I thought about some people outside of our church that that I just want to love with an everlasting love. I want them to see consistency. I want them to see that no matter what happens, that we're there for them. And friends, don't you want that to be said of you? I mean, that you have this stubborn love? Mostly David had a love for the Lord. Listen to Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. A dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. And I just want to ask you this, when was the last time you prayed with the kind of abandon that that David prays with? When have you loved people in your life with the kind of self-sacrificial love that David 
loved with. That love that says it's unconditional. I will love you no matter what. And when was the last time that you went to the Lord in prayer with that kind of desire to say, God, I long for you. You talk about a wild, abandoned heart, a passionate heart for God. And friends, isn't that what you want? That kind of abandon before the Lord? See, friends, I, I really believe that when we come to moments of worship, you, know, you talk about things that lead you to God. Some of you guys, you find your closest moments to God in nature. Give, your, give yourself a Bible and a, a brook, and you're like, wow, this is, this is a moment. For some of you guys, it's a, it's a moment of solitude. Just, God, just give me time away from everybody. For some of you guys, it's just when you're in contemplation, when you're in a moment of just, man, just let me study, God. Let me just go through a, 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 a commentary in the Bible, and I need to study. For some of you guys, it's serving other people. For me, one of my closest times with the Lord is just when I'm worshiping. Just when I'm in moments like today. Just able to worship and sing and sing the songs and think about what God has done. And by the way, if you're not used to it now, you're going to do it for a lot of years in eternity. <laughs> so that's what we're going to do here in a minute. We're just going to keep worshiping. And we're going to keep singing. And I want you to sing with that kind of wild, abandoned heart that, God, that says, God, no matter what, I just want to open up my heart to you. I want to be passionate about you and your mission. And God, I want to serve you in a way that I've never served before and, and have this abandon that David had. And um, I don't want to pray to that end. God, I just pray today that as we worship still today, that you would be not only honored by what happens, but God, that we would be able to celebrate you in a way that's so authentic and so genuine and has that heart after God. Because, God, we know that no matter what talents you've given us, and you have given us talents, and you never tear those down, you never undermine those, you gave us those talents. But, God, even more than the talents and abilities you gave us, you gave us hearts. The Bible says, protect the heart, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. So God, we just pray that today, out of the wellspring of life, we give our worship, we give our celebration, and God, we just thank you for Jesus, our Savior, and we ask this in your name. Amen.